Welcome to episode 28 of the Local Meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. John, how's it going? Alright. Slowly sorting through my stuff. Oh man, me too. I'm sifting through a lot of junk. I have two, two extra playsets of Seasons Blast past, plus one extra, plus a boil. Why? Because it's one of my long-term spec targets because of EDH. Okay. Because I have a disposable income and I can do stuff like that. You can feel me judging you through the microphone right now, <laughs> can't you? As soon as I said spec, I knew that I was going to get a K. Hey. Okay. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah. So, in, yeah. In other news, um, I'm guessing you you were keeping up with the news and stuff. Um, they started posting some spoilers for Ixalan, and I don't really want to talk about those today. But um, they did make a significant rule change. Yes, the legend rule change. Actually, the legend rule did not change. I don't believe. Well, it now encompasses more than. Well, I, I suppose, yeah, the rule itself did not change. No, Legend Rule did not change at all. <laughs> yeah, I get you with my nitpicks. But the Planeswalker uniqueness rule is going away. It's going the way of the dodo, and every Planeswalker currently in existence will be eroded to be legendary, and every Planeswalker printed from now on will be legendary. So... What are your thoughts about this, aside from making your sweet standard Nyssa tribal deck? <laughs> um, I'm fine with it overall. Like, I don't think that... Like, the first time... When I first read this, my literal thoughts was sweet. Now I don't have to feel weird when I have a Liliana, the last hope in my hand, and Liliana the Veil in play, and I have to lose one of them. But <laughs> my first thought because those are the two like you know same name cards that I commonly play together yeah <laughs> but I I am personally of the opinion that this they've been wanting to implement this rule for a while like within like the past year or so I mean it kind of makes a lot of sense doesn't it yeah like I personally, in my opinion, I've kind of like noticed like this trend of the Planeswalkers, you know, basically since BFZ have been getting weaker in power level as in, you know, as a way of putting it. And I assumed it was just because they real they were sick of Planeswalkers just dominating everything. Because, yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, but I also think now it actually might be because they knew this rule was coming out. And it's, this rule would not like, this rule would kind of break standard if Gideon, Ally of Zendikar was still legal. Hmm. Because Gideon, Ally of Zendikar plus Gideon of the Trials is, like, one of the most powerful white things printed in multiple past years, plus something that says that you can't lose as long as that permanent is in play. I mean, yeah. Seems okay. Yeah. But like, like you also just hate Gideon. Yes, but that's this is this is like this is an assessment of all planeswalkers, right? And this just adds fuel to the fire to some degree too, but yeah. yeah like, I mean, I can agree to some degree. Um I don't know. I mean some, like 
Even the newest iterations of Nyssa are noticeably weaker than like previous iterations. Like, it's a lot harder. They, a lot of the planeswalkers they've been printing lately, they can't just win the game on their own. They're kind of getting rid of game-winning combos or game-winning ultimates, as it were. Like now, the ultimates are more like they give you a large advantage, but you're not really gonna win off of it. Yeah, I I don't know if one is a symptom of the other though. Um, like I don't I don't know if they're like if if they real they're like hey we want to tune down planeswalker power level and then they're like well we can do this also or if they were like we want to do this so we're gonna tune down planeswalker power level because I mean you you'd have to be planning that for years. I suppose like yeah the they plan cards what three years in advance. Oh, they're working. Yeah, they're working on sets like two to two to three years in advance of when we see them. So, I don't know. I, it's interesting. I like the rule. I like the, I like that they cleaned up a lot of stuff. I mean, the the flavor hit is acceptable to me, but lots of things are acceptable to me. <laughs> I have one complaint about people who are. Have you have a... one complaint about people. Bullshit. <laughs> I have one complaint about people who have a complaint about this rule. Okay. People are up in arms over the fact that this change doesn't like mean that you're allowed to use planeswalkers as your commanders. So here's the thing, right? Did they did the commander rules committee state that already? Uh they them Watsi themselves have stated it. Have they? I didn't hear them say that because the only thing I saw is on Morrow's blog. They basically like somebody asked that, and he's basically was like, "That's not up to us." Oh no! Like I, I actually did see a post on, okay. um, what call it? Like I, I saw it on Twitter. I don't remember who made it, but I did see a post on Twitter that you know said that you can still only have legendary creatures as your commander unless stated otherwise. But mm-hmm. for the people who are complaining about the fact you can't just use every single planeswalker as your commander, I'm not allowed to use Tatsumasa the Dragon Fang, a legendary equipment, as my commander. So I see no reason why people should be throwing a fit because they can't use their planeswalker as their commander. Because there is no way in hell Liliana of the Veil as a commander would be a reasonable thing. That would just basically, it's like, hey, let's take this format that has no fun in it already and take all the fun out of it. Yeah, like, or chase the monster. I'm not a big commander guy. (laughs) Or Karn. Yeah, there there we go. There are so many planeswalkers as commanders that would just destroy everything like they would immediately have to ban like the top three at least best planeswalkers of all time jace mind sculptor better than all yeah jace lillian karn gone like they they would not be allowed to be in the format so uh so since we am uh we're done talking about this now (laughs) i'm bored with it we're going to move on to our, our main topic. We're going to continue what we started last last week uh, and kind of break down some more modern decks. Uh, today, we're doing modern aggro decks. Slightly and, um, uh, easier than combo decks. Yeah. So, um, there are a bunch of decks. They turn creatures sideways and kill you. So, there we go. Yep. Good show, John. So, you can send us feedback. No, Okay. <laughs> So obviously, there's a little more than that. Formats Man. are a little, are a little more complex than that. But what, one day you're actually gonna make that joke, and that's literally just gonna be the episode. 
<laughs> I might. Like, you better you watch have, out. Like, blank filler at the end of absolute nothing just to like throw people off. It'll be like 45 minutes of silence followed by, you know, a banter topic, a random throwout line like that, and then nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past any of us. But, so, um, so yeah, we're going to, well, I'm, uh, let's just get started on these decks. Um, I'm sure, actually, let's say this. I'm sure some people will disagree with our assessment of what decks we put as different types of decks. So, like, yeah, your <laughs> aggro one won't be too disagreeable here, but... I mean, even, we even had a little bit of discussion about, you know, of, like, actually two of the decks in this category of do they fall under this category. So, we they do because we have a podcast and <laughs> get to say that. So, all right, why don't you kick it off, John? What is our, what is our first aggro deck? All right, so... We're going to start this out with the premier aggro deck in a modern. It has been the premier aggro deck in modern forever, basically. And it will continue to be the premier aggro deck in modern, probably until they ban multiple cards from it. Which, that's that's probably a topic for another day. Yep. But, <laughs> the, you know, for anyone who doesn't know... Modern, the premier aggro deck is and will always be affinity. Yeah. So let's let's start out with the first question. What is affinity and what does it do? I'm guessing affinity has a lot of cards with affinity for artifacts printed on them, right? Alright, so <laughs> just so you guys are aware, affinity for artifacts is not the only form of affinity. There's oh, really? yes, there's actually affinity for other things like mountains. Oh yeah, okay, you're right, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, as Fletcher so kindly pointed out, Affinity for Artifacts is a mechanic in the game of Magic. Uh, it is very very likely that you will look at a modern-day Affinity deck, and you will not see a single card in the entire deck with that mechanic on it. <laughs> Basically a holdover from the olden days. Yeah, the times have changed a lot. Or affinity as to what it does anymore it basically it's kept the same name just because it still has the same basic game plan which you know like affinity for artifacts mechanic implies it likes to play a lot of artifacts mm -hmm. um there is not a single creature in the entire deck that's not an artifact and even most of your lands either are or can become artifacts yes <laughs> There is usually, at most, um, not counting your choice of color-producing lands, there's usually four to six non-artifacts in the entire deck. And it is very much a critical mass deck. Like, your goal is to play out as many of those artifacts as you possibly can, as quickly as you can, because the deck is extremely synergistic around itself. So. Okay. So, what what key cards does this deck revolve around um this aside from just artifacts <laughs> yeah a lot of people might not necessarily agree with this but i when i look at affinity i see it there as being three slash three and a half important cards in the deck um the first one is ravager or arcbound ravager rather which is a zero zero for two colorless mana 
With that doesn't seem very good. It has modular one on it, which modular is another really weird mechanic where it enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counters on it equal to its modular rating. So it enters the battlefield with a single plus one plus one counter on it. And whenever a creature with modular dies, you can move that counter onto another artifact creature. And that another artifact creature does not need to have modular. Which is a very important thing in this regard. Mm-hmm. Arkbon Ravager also has the oh-so-lovely ability of sacrificing any artifact and putting a plus-one, plus-one counter on it. So, you know, when, you, <laughs> when your lands are artifacts and all of your creatures and everything else in your deck is an artifact, Ravager can get pretty dang big. Just and, a little bit. And then make something else pretty dang big. Because that sacrifice effect is not another creature. Yeah, it is. It can sacrifice itself. <laughs> yeah, it can sacrifice itself to itself to trigger its own modular to put its counters on another creature. Yeah. Sure. And I, that's why that thing's good. <laughs> I'm actually a really big fan of Ravager as a card because I really love the card Nantuko Husk. And mm -hmm. it's basically like... I don't want to say it's a better form of an Antico Husk, but it functions along the very very similar principles. But it's a better form of Nantuko Husk. Eh, basically. <laughs> I just literally love me some zombie insect dudes. Okay, so we got we got Ra <laughs> we got Ravager in the deck. What other cards are we looking at? Uh, the other quotations big payoff in the deck is cranial plating. Cranial plating in the ever-so-popular line of Watsy doesn't know what they're doing in regards to equipment. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> that set that set was not a not R&D's finest hour. <laughs> oh, and to be fair, this set was kind of their first foray into equipment. Or if Actually, not this, it was. This, it, that yeah, block was. Yeah, this block was. So, they, I, I don't want to say they get a pass, because holy hot damn, but... Yeah. <laughs> cranial plating is a two mana equipment where you can equip for one colorless mana and it says equipped creature gets plus one plus oh for each artifact you control uh, kind of a non-bow with ravager because you but can't... doesn't matter yeah like this is basically your ravager five through eight right yeah or ravager is cranial plating 5-3 depending on what you value more but you mm -hmm. know these are the true payoffs for playing a bajillion artifacts and cranial plating also has a very unique additional ability where you can pay two black and you can attach it to a creature that you control now the reason why this is unique is because you're not equipping it to that creature. You can only equip as a sorcery speed. Yes. You are equipping, you are attaching it at instant speed as long as you have two black. It's not very easy for Affinity to have two black, but, you know, if the game's going a bit long and they swing with two uh, ink mock nexus at you and you can only block one of them, you're kind of dead. Yep. You're dead. You're, you're, you're quite dead. <laughs> Then uh, the third payoff of playing Affinity is, once again, falling into that lovely category of being a powerful deck in Modern and cheating on mana. 
I feel like we talked about this. Yeah, it's almost like it's what modern revolves around. <laughs> Affinity is one of the few decks that can actually reliably play the only modern legal mox, which is Mox Opal. Which is a zero mana artifact that taps for mana of any color, but you can only tap it for mana if you control three or more artifacts. And they can do this on, on turn one a lot of times. <laughs> ideally. Yep. And that's another one of the big payoffs for playing Affinities. You just get to cheat with your mana. And then the other pseudo payoff, but it's not quite, um, mainly because of the fact it, casts three, it costs three mana, is... Um, I've actually forgotten its name, because I'm really awesome. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like It was in my brain, and now it's gone. Master of Ethereum. There we go. Yeah. Master of Ethereum is the or the 3.5 payoff because part of the plan of Affinity is to flood the board, and Master of Ethereum gets gives all of your other artifact creatures plus one plus one, and it gets plus one plus its power of toughness are each equal to the number of artifacts you control. <laughs> you have a lot of artifacts, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, once again, very similar to Ravager and Plating, they care about the number of artifacts, period. Not the number of artifact creatures or non-creature artifacts or anything like that. So your artifact lands count. Your art, your mana-producing artifacts like Mox Opal and Springleaf Drum count. So it get, stuff gets really big pretty fast with this deck. So... And that's what yeah, and that's just the insanity of the deck is that you're playing a lot of cards that kind of do nothing in a way, but all your cards that you use to ramp out these threats pump up your threats. Yes. Like Springleaf Drum and all your you know, your all your lands and you know, even your dumb just dirtily creatures for filler like Memnites and Ornithopters, like all that stuff that you just dump onto the field just makes your Ravagers and your Masters of Ethereum and your Cranial Platings bigger. Yeah, like, the entire deck is basically reliant on making those cards good. And it works really well in that regard. Like, you know, you, like, as you said, you know, you play Ornithopters and Memnites and Signal Plasts and, um, uh, Vault Scourges, and you just play all these super cheap, efficient kind of dorky little one ones for extremely yeah. cheap mana and you know you have the go wide strategies of just flooding the board and beating down and you have like the make one big huge threat strategy with ravager and plating and it works pretty dang well actually mm -hmm. i'm uh, affinity is one of those decks that people will always say that you know, when people think that Affinity is no, is no longer good anymore and they start cutting their really good sideboard cards against it, that's when Affinity comes back, kicks you in the teeth, and wins a GP. Mm-hmm, right? <laughs> so, so we've we figured out that Affinity's pretty good. So, yes. how how do we beat it? So, Affinity, as as I stated, you know, a few seconds ago, Affinity is one of those decks that when you want to beat it, you will destroy it. <laughs> one of the problems with playing, you know, every single card in your deck as an artifact means you're really weak to stuff that hates on artifacts. 
like Stony Silence. Activated abilities of artifacts can't be activated. Two mana enchantment. Yep. It doesn't say, you know, non mana abilities or anything like that. It just says abilities, period. Yeah, means, so it shuts off yeah, if your lands. <laughs> if you're one of those unlucky people who your entire mana base consists of Darksteel Citadels, you no longer have mana producing lands. Yep. It shuts off Ravager, it shuts off Plating. Um, the only way that the deck can really beat it is to is like the go wide strategy with signal pests and ornithopters and stuff like that, and kind of just hope it already has a board well enough to win. I mean, and it can do it. Yeah, it, I've seen people lose when after they've gone turn two stony silence. Like it is a reality, but I mean, you, I, I'm personally of the opinion that you never just rely on the stony silence. I like the one two punch of stony silence into Kataki's War's Wage. <laughs> Which, uh, Stony Science, as Fletcher pointed out, was a two mana white enchantment. Uh, Kataki Wars Wage is a two mana white creature that's a two one legendary. You only have one in play. Uh, all artifacts have, at the beginning of your upkeep, pay one colorless mana or sacrifice this artifact. So. That after puts a damper on your party. <laughs> yeah, so after you shut off all of their mana producers, and then you slam down a Kataki, they proceed to lose their entire board state, and usually the game. Big fan. Huge fan. <laughs> it's really soul-crushing for your opponent, and I get way too much joy looking in their eyes after I do that. But, I mean... <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite way to beat Affinity is with the um, uh, Blue Moon... Uh, P and Kieran plus Videlkin Shackles lock, but yeah, that requires a little bit more work and a little bit more dirtling. <laughs> yeah, basically, in like every color has a way of hating on affinity. Some do it better than others. Blue gets to have Hercules Recall, which is really good for like buying yourself time. You just you bounce every artifact to their owner's hand, and that can usually buy you a turn or two, depending on when you're forced to cast it. Um, red has some of the best destruction in the entire game in that regard. You know, it gets to play with stuff like Smash to Smithereens, which is destroying artifact. They lose three life. You get to play Shattering Spree, which is one red destroy target artifact replicates, which means you can re you you can pay its mana cost as many times as you can, and you get to copy the spell each time. So you spend four mana, you destroy four artifacts. As we've said, they have very few artifacts that actually matters. You destroy the important ones. Green gets uh, Creeping Corrosion, which is a four mana destroy all artifacts. <laughs> You're playing green, so you can probably ramp it out. Hey, you got... I mean, there's there's ways to deal with it. Yeah, there's plenty of ways to hate on Affinity. If you don't want to lose to Affinity, you won't lose to Affinity. The thing is, is you have to you have to dedicate slots to it. You have to dedicate sideboard slots to it. Yes, and in like, modern, your sideboard slots are one of the most important things. Exactly. Like, more than any other format, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Just because of how powerful your sideboard hate has to be. But. Yeah. So, but to be fair, Affinity is one of those decks that, as you said, right now it's kind of the the um uh, one of the best aggro decks. So, dedicating those slots is not a terrible idea. No. 
it's always good to just kind of like hedge your bets unless you really, really want those sideboard slots dedicated for something else. And then you can just hope not to get paired up against Affinity. You know, like, if you're lucky enough to not hit Affinity in the first few rounds and those people who do get paired up against it are packing all of their Affinity hate and you never encounter Affinity, then you look really, really smart. It, and if you and if you get paired up against Affinity early on and just get smoked, you look like an idiot. Yep, but that's part of the gambling of modern. I mean, that's that's magic, right? Yeah, you you can't beat everything. You really need to choose what you want to beat, and that's kind of like the tale for modern in general. So, a little random non-metagame. Well, actually, that is very much a metagame-related topic in that regard. Oh yeah, very much. Yeah. Okay, so. All right, we talked about robots. Yep. What do we got next? Uh, we're going to talk about the oldest aggro deck in Magic. The one that started it all. Red deck wins slash burn. Yeah, buddy. They're, they're kind of different if you really get into it, but for this, you know, they tend to want to do very, very similar things. Get opponent dead fast as possible. Yes. You play <laughs> the most cost-efficient burn spells and the most cost-efficient creatures to try and run your opponent over before they can do anything. And that's kind of its thing, you know? Like, your, mm -hmm. your goal is to use all of your mana on every turn until your opponent is dead. As soon as you start not spending mana, you're probably in a very bad position. Yep, starts getting bad then. Like, that's... I mean, that's not to say that Burn doesn't have play to it, because it does, but, like, once you start having to slow down and, like, you know, try and sequence your spells in such a way to play around the stuff your opponent has, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder for you. Yeah, it... You know, Burn... Burn's just all about gas for the most part. Yeah. And as soon as you kind of just run out of... Like, you start running out of that gas, it just kind of goes down from there. It's probably the deck that suffers the most from flooding. Yeah. Like, because, you know, it has to play a certain number of lands to be able to do what it wants to do. But, you know, if you draw four or more lands, you're not really in a good spot anymore. Because yeah. you need, like... You know, as they say, you need you need to cast seven spells to win the game. Yep. If you don't draw those seven spells quickly enough, you have a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's not a lot of decks in any format where keeping a one lander is something that you're just kind of totally okay with. Yeah, but that's especially in like legacy. That's a very common thing. Oh man, if I if I have double guide land and I hardly even care what else the rest of my hand is, it's like I'm I'm just keeping that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. like. One interesting thing about Burn is the is the fact that it really doesn't have any like key cards, as it were. Uh, the only one that I really consider to be kind of key in quotations would be something like Goblin Guide, because almost all of your turn three wins revolve around drawing multiple Goblin Guides. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> he's just a beater. Yeah, everything else in the deck is specifically designed about being you know as. Uh, you know, as common, or I can't even think of what the word is. Not resilience. I am so bad at talking today, apparently. Consistent? I'm trying to think of the word, consistent. too. Consistent, there we go. You want to be as consistent as possible. You have, like, 
you play Lightning Bolt and Lava Spike and Rift Bolts, and some decks even play stuff like um, something Shards. I don't even remember what that one's called either. But like your goal is to play as Shard many, Volley. Yeah, Shard Volley. Your goal is to play as many three damage burn spells as possible. Because mm-hmm. the more three damage burn spells you play, the more likely you are to draw seven of them. You know, like it all it cares about is consistency, and all almost all of its cards are interchangeable with each other as long as each card can almost guarantee that it can deal three damage. I mean, realistically, this deck, if it could, would just play lands and lightning bolts. Probably. I think it would actually be a, a mix between lands, lightning bolts, and goblin guides. I don't know what goblin guide is. Just that is just that good of a card because I mean, it's easy to look at the card and just be like, okay, it's a two-two for one with with drawback. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is like you're like, okay, well, I get two damage out of this. It's like, no, 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 no. You get like six damage out of that card. Yeah. Like, Goblin Guide is the single most cost-effective card in the entire deck, as long as it gets to do what it wants to do, which mm-hmm. is attack for four or six. And, like, even if you just can get in four damage with it, that's four damage off of a single mana, which yeah. is insane. And you know what? There's some games where it's where it's two, dama- two damage and destroy a creature, which is not even a terrible thing. Mm-mm. Like, you know, you, you really have to kind of... I mean, I, I come from Legacy Burn a lot more, so, like, but... And Modern Burn's a little different than that. But even then, you, all of your cards are... You almost think about them as spend mana for damage. Mm-hmm. And, like, every card is just purely that. You don't look at it in any other way, almost. And, you know, if you think about a Goblin Guide as four damage destroy a, and destroy a creature, like, that's a really good... Yeah, that's a really good value for one mana. <laughs> yeah, or even if it's something like, you know, four, four, one, one red, four damage, target opponent discards a card. Yeah. In the, in the sense of, like, they kill it. Like, that's yeah. still pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. I I mean... de- ideally, you don't want them to be able to use their removal spells on your stuff, because then that means they effectively have dead draws, but... You know, you can't... Until they print enough one-mana burn spells that you don't need to play creatures, you're still going to have to be a little bit weak to removal, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, would you consider other key card? I mean, I, I think the key card here we got to talk about also is Lightning Bolt. Yeah. I mean, that is that is... When I think of burn, that's the card that you just plaster on the front of the deck. I disagree, but only kind of. Okay, you're wrong, but I'll listen to you. I consider Lava Spike to be more of a key card. Explain. So, there's a problem with Lightning Bolts. It's really good? It says 3 damage to target creature or player. Yes. And some people are blinded by the whole can deal damage to a creature thing, so it's not uncommon for them to waste their lightning bolts on a creature because okay. they're worried that creature will kill them, when in actuality, if they had just thrown it at their opponent's face, they would have won. Okay. Like I totally agree with your light, premise here, but I disagree with with your... Yeah, I, I disagree with your statement at first. I only... Think of this in this regard purely in regards to burn. Because in any other deck, Lightning Bolt should probably go with the creature, but you can easily use it to close out the game. 
but there I've seen way too many situations where people have wasted lightning bolts and lost the game because of it. Like that's as hard, it's hard to do. Well, yes, but like the thing about lava spike is it literally does exactly what the game plan of the deck is, which is three damage to a player for one red mana. Yeah. I mean, your your lightning bolts should be lava spikes. I still think you're wrong. Like, if I want a marquee, I'm going to put lightning bolt as the marquee. But, yeah, you want to be pointing stuff at your opponent's face for the most part. I mean, Patrick Sullivan, the granddaddy of all burn decks, refers to burn as being a lava spike deck. So, <laughs> I have P. Sully on my side. I don't, <laughs> I don't need you quoting the Bible at me. <laughs> <laughs> but that, and that creates the interesting play too and stuff like like burn is literally just all about math to some degree yes like because part of the game is looking at, at the creature on the opponent's board like in, as you said in any other deck you get a lightning bolt and if you have a target for it you're going to take that target down yes in burn you're looking across the table and going how much damage will this card do to me over the entire game and ideally, that game is only another two or three turns. Exactly, and it's like it's like, do I need to stall another turn? You know, like, and and you're constantly thinking out those scenarios, and, um, to to figure out if you should point it at the creature or your opponent's face. I mean, you default to the opponent's face most of the time. Yeah, you should default to the opponent's face, but mm -hmm. yeah, it just like it it kind of just comes down to semantics in this regard. But I'm just, you know, I have Jesus on my side in this, room, in this situation. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we got burn. How do we beat it? Um, gain life. As weird as that is to say. Like, one of the, I mean, yeah. <laughs> one of the big quotation flaws of a burn deck, and I, you know, say flaws in really really big quotations is the fact that it's really good at dealing that dealing 20 damage to your opponent mm -hmm. it's really bad at dealing 26 damage or yeah. 30 damage burn is very good at counting to 20 it doesn't know how to count past that no they have their fingers they have their toes they have difficulty going beyond that point yep <laughs> <laughs> just to keep you know Increasing the whole burn players or mongoloids. I ideology. I love burn. Like I I'll admit, I legacy burn is where where I really am in love. But like, man, there's there's nothing like like slinging slinging lightning bolts around and stuff. Especially in a format like legacy, where people are casting brainstorms and force of wills, and you're just like, I'm gonna cast like, you know. One of the most basic cards in Magic at your face a bunch of times until you die. You are making a goddamn statement. That statement yep. might be looked down upon, but you are still making a statement. <laughs> I mean, there, there is something beautiful about when you start the game and your first turn, it's like, Mountain bolts you. Because everybody there in that game knows what it's, what's going on. <laughs> yep. there, there's no, hmm, I wonder what he's playing. It's you... You, you very clearly made the statement, this is exactly what I'm doing. I mean, Which... <laughs> regard, regardless of who wins this game, we're going to have time to get a snack in between rounds. 
That's one of my. Well, that's one of my favorite things. I'm gonna keep talking about P. Sully because he's just like a great man. Uh, one of my favorite things about him is that whenever he plays Burn, he sleeves up twenty Arabian Nights mountains. Because like a lot of people like to think of uh, swag strats. Yeah, a lot of people like to think of Burn as being um, a budget option, which fair it can be yeah like it it definitely can be a budget option i mean that's how i bought into legacy so but you know when when you sit down from a man who lays down arabian nights mountain they're they are very clearly looking you in the eye and saying yes i'm not playing this because i have to I'm playing this because I because want I want to. to. <laughs> they are playing eighty dollars a pop mountains. And oh, as, man. as I said, P. Sully specifically plays twenty of them. He doesn't play any fetch lands in his deck. I hate to disagree with P. Sully, but that's <laughs> that's way too many lands. I also agree, but at the same time, he is basically saying, "Yo, dog." What you gonna do about this? All right, yeah. Okay, so we're trying to beat Burn. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, gaining life is is a really good way to beat Burn. Like any amount of life is really yeah. Good you don't need to gain much. Like even like like three to five life will a lot of times seal the game. Yeah, especially because like in modern, you're usually playing a deck with a very very fast clock. Mm-hmm. Which means that, like, you only need to, to buy yourself a turn or two to be able to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is basically their goal, as it were. Otherwise, you know, there's like the super hate cards, which you don't see terribly often, but you still can, and that's like ley lines of sanctity. I mean, you got if if you're playing a deck that is just all in, and you need a way to de- to deal with burn. That's when you play Leyline of Sanctity. Yep, because you've you got to be all in because you're all in. <laughs> yeah, and for those who don't know, Leyline of Sanctity says you can't be the target of spells or abilities. Which means all those fancy little uh, burn spells they got are doing literal nothing. Oh yeah, a lot of them are doing basically nothing. Yep. Although, I mean, they can still beat. Yeah, there are. They can. They still play creatures. They still can beat you down. They do actually have burn spells if they're playing certain versions that don't target. They just deal damage to players in general mm-hmm. or opponents in general. So they can get around it. It's not a guaranteed I win, but you know, it's a good way to buy yourself a couple turns. Yeah. All right. So what do we what do we got next on our list here? Next is one that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, this is one of my favorite decks in all of modern. Not as popular anymore. It has uh, kind of fallen by the wayside due to losing uh, a free mana spell. That for the low, low price of two life, you get to look at your opponent's hand and draw a card. Also known as I get to play with 56 cards in my deck. What of it? So I'm going to pause here for a second, actually, and just skip back a deck. Okay. Burn doesn't really cheat on mana. No, it doesn't. Hmm. Okay. Well, Continue. I, okay. If you think about it, it kind of does. All right. It doesn't cheat in the normal sense, but it cheats in the efi- the sheer efficiency of its cards. Okay, fair. Continue. Okay. As I was saying, Infect is my favorite deck in all of Modern. Come at me. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm just going to point out to everyone that we actually had a serious, like, 30-second discussion about whether we should include Infect in the combo section. Yes. Because a lot of people do consider it to be a combo deck. A lot of people also consider Burn to be a combo deck, which is... Eh. I consider that to be less debatable. I do not consider yeah. it to be one personally, but some people do. As where Infect is kind of on the fence. Because it really is a quotation combo deck in the sense that you're trying to string a bunch of cards together to create a game-winning advantage, i.e. your opponent dies. <laughs> the reason why we decided to put it under aggro is because it's just, you know, it is trying to beat down your opponents with the creatures, and you're just casting pump spells, that's all you're doing. You know, I wouldn't really consider like the red green pummeler decks from a few like last standard to be a combo deck in that sense because it's still like it is an aggro deck, it has an aggro game plan. But I mean like something like heroic from a few standards ago was arguably combo ish. Yeah, like I I also do not consider that to be combo either, which is why in fact falls under the category of aggro in this regard. Sorry. Sounds good. Okay, so let's just let's just it's, continue it's on weak, here. It's weak to lightning bolt. It's an aggro deck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> all right. Now that we're done semantic wanking. Um, yeah. All right. What? So what exactly does it do? You try to deal ten damage to your opponent. Ten damage, John. But yes. people have twenty life. But fun fact: there's something that that goes back all the way to was it pre Mirage or in Mirage? I think it was in Mirage. Yeah. There's at there's... least I know Mirage for sure. Yeah, there's this old mechanic they had. It was called Poison Counters, which the creature, after dealing damage to a player, would basically have a trigger, and it would also give that player a poison counter. And they, what they decided to do was have it where if you had 10 poison counters, you would lose the game. This was not very popular back then. It was then. bad. It was terrible. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Because the thing that they didn't say, you know, like, they actually would say, like, poison one. So it doesn't matter how much damage this creature dealt. Like, it would only ever give a single poison counter. So you would need to actually attack and deal damage ten separate times to win the game. Mm -hmm. And then you're, if, because you're playing this in casual, because it's a terrible mechanic, your opponents are playing leeches against you. And then they get rid of their poison counters, and then you punch your friends in the face for being jerks, and then it's just this vicious spiral. So, Watsi also printed a mechanic called Wither. Wither said if this creature would deal combat damage to another creature, it instead puts that many negative one, negative one counters on that creature. Mm -hmm. And then they decided that the best thing they could possibly do was to take poison, take Wither, slap them together and create the horrifying monstrosity known as Infect. Where Infect <laughs> says if this creature would deal combat damage to a player, instead it deals that many poison counters, and if it would deal that damage to a creature, it instead deals damage in negative one counters. So, <laughs> yeah, as the oh-so-noticeable change was made, where it deals, it deals that damage as poison counters... So, no more, you know, poison one or anything like that. This was, if you hit them for five, they take five poison. So, yeah. Infect oh. became a deck that a lot of people hate. 
Yeah, it's divisive. <laughs> but so, what are the what are the key cards in Infect? There's basically there's three playsets, or there's four, yeah, three playsets of three different cards, resulting in a total of twelve cards in the entire deck that actually have Infect, and the entire deck kind of revolves around these cards. You have your Glistener Elf, which is your 1-mana one 1-1 one, one with Infect. You have your Blighted Agent, which is a 2-mana one 1-1 one, one unblockable Infect. And you have your Ink Moth Nexus, which is a flying land that gives itself Infect. And those are, like, if your opponent doesn't draw one of those, it's really hard for them to win. Mm-hmm. Like, it is not impossible I've seen people get cocky, thinking that they can't lose, and then I literally dealt 20 damage to them out of nowhere. <laughs> Noble Hierarch beatdowns? Noble Hierarch beatdowns for the win. I actually I actually had that against one person, where he all he had in play was a single Malira, and I had, <laughs> th I had three Noble Hierarchs, and he had cast three Path to Exiles throughout the game getting rid of three of my infect creatures i'm like combat attack you with one of my um noble hierarchs and he's just like he like he's tapped out and he like looks at his malira he looks at the hierarch he's like i don't think you have it no blocks i'm just like pump 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 dead <laughs> you die thank you so, i'm again so that's basically how the deck works. Play infect creatures, put pump spells on them. Yeah, you play Hooray. ridiculously cost-effective pump spells, like plus four, plus four for one mana. Or you pl And you also play stuff like Vines of the Vastwood, which is one of the most complicated... Like, it's one of, probably one of the most complicated cards in modern, which is saying something. Because yeah. it doesn't work the way you think it does. We're just going to pretend it does for this description here. Yeah. So it's basic. It basically gives a creature hexproof. But not really. But basically. Yeah. If you if you want a better description of that, talk to me in person. <laughs> um, or Google it. Or Google it. Yeah, like you play a bunch of super cheap, cost-efficient pump spells sometimes you play free pump spells in the sense of mutagenic growth which is plus two plus two for the low low cost of two life <laughs> and then you play you know you have noble hierarchs for your exalted trigger which gives plus one plus one you play pendle haven which gives plus one plus two just for tapping a land which means it's uncounterable <laughs> and that's kind of the basic gist of how it wants to win cool how do you beat it uh, Malira. <laughs> Seems strong. Yeah, Malira is really good at hosing infects. So what's she Malira? Just for Malira is a two-two for a colorless and a green legendary human. Uh, I don't remember if she has any other classes. Whatever. But she has the ability. You can't gain poison counters. Your opponent's creatures lose infects. If you would gain a poison counter, you instead gain no poison counters. Yeah, it does good things for you. Yeah, it basically means that your infect opponent now has to deal 20 damage to you, and they need to pray to god that it's not through an ink moth nexus. Yeah. Because layers. Let's mm -hmm. not get into it. <laughs> and, you know, a, a similar card, like a new card, would be like Solemnity if somebody played that. Yes, yeah, Solemnity also keeps you from gaining poison counters. Yeah. Otherwise... 
any sort of like creature-based removal spell tends to be very good against Infect, as long as you use it on the right times. You Timing is, is important with this yes. deck. You don't want to use it in the middle of their combat step, because they're prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, things that can, like, wipe the board of 1-1s tend to be very good, like Zealous Persecution, Knight of Souls Betrayal if you can survive long enough to be able to cast it, um, Orzhov Pontiff to deal negative 1, negative 1 to all creatures your opponents control. Stuff like that tend to be very, very good against Infect because every creature they play is an X-1. Mm -hmm. And then they die. And then they're sad. Yep. Alright, cool. Why don't we get on to our last deck really quick here? Alright, last but not least, unless you ask certain people who really, really hate it, is Merfolk. The little the blue goblins, as I referred to them back when I played the deck for a while, because the deck <laughs> plays very similar to Legacy Goblins, and it made me really, really happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so so what it what is Merfolk and what does it do? Merfolk is a tribal deck, which means that every single card except for one in the deck tends to have the name Merfolk on it. Their goal is to play stuff that that meshes well together, it's very synergistic, it's very similar to Affinity, and in fact it's a critical mass deck, except as to where Affinity's trying to, you know, usually like make one big creature, Affinity go or Merfolk goes more for the one big alpha strike. They usually win in only one or two of big attacks, and that's because they play the most cost-effective lords in the game. Uh, lords is a term used for stuff like Lord of Atlantis and Master of the Pearl Trident, which say other creatures of this type get plus one, plus one, and in regards to the Merfolk Lords, they also give Mountain Walk. Island Walk. Island Walk, sorry. I'm thinking you're, of goblins a lot. As you say, you're in goblins mode. I'm so in goblins mode. <laughs> okay, so what are, what are the key cards in the deck, basically? Very, very much so, it is Lord of Atlantis and um, Master of the Pearl Tridents. They are the lords, they are the ones that give plus one, plus one, and island walk. Those are the important ones. They also have um, Marrow Regery, which is a three-mana lord, gives all other merfolk plus one, plus one, and it gives you some shenanigans where whenever you cast a merfolk, you can untap or tap target permanents. Hmm. So you can kind of like use that to get around stuff. It also plays Aether Vial, which is, you know, how they're cheating on mana. <laughs> yep, <laughs> there we go. Every deck cheats on mana. And which allows them to put car. It basically allows them to empty their hand a lot faster to get that critical mass for that very big alpha strike they're going for. And then almost every Merfolk deck plays Spreading Seas, which is a two mana enchantment. Enchanted land becomes an island. Draw a card. <laughs> yeah. Which then allows their island walk from their lords to make their attacks unblockable. And yeah. One or two big attacks. That's like their game plan is just to attack you. They want to fill out their board. They play a lot of stuff like um, uh, Curse Catcher and stuff just to like buy time and Silvergill Adept, where when it enters the battlefield, either you have to pay extra mana or reveal a Merfolk or play it off Aether Vile, you just get to draw a card when it's the battlefield, which gives you, helps you build up to that critical mass. And their goal is basically to draw as many lords as possible. Cool. So. How do we beat it? Choke. Choke? Choke. Not, not, not just choke, but if Merfolk specifically plays a bunch of non-basic islands, 
because Choke is unreasonably good against them otherwise. Uh, Choke is a green enchantment for 3 mana that says islands don't untap during their controller's untap step. Hmm. Seems which, okay. Yes, you can very much hamper them, which is hilarious. As a result, they play stuff like Oroboro, Palace in the Clouds, <laughs> and uh, the blue-white uh, Merfolk land that if you reveal a Merfolk comes into play untapped and stuff like that. Okay. It's super entertaining. Otherwise, your goal is basically to kill every lord on site, because if they don't have lords, the deck is very, very anemic. They're playing two ones for two and one ones for one, which just don't match up very well in the long run in modern. So mm -hmm. as long as you can kill their lords and keep them from getting that big alpha strike going, you're relatively okay. Um, they try and stop you with counter spells and you know mana denial through spreading seas and stuff like that, but just deal with their lords and you can deal with their folk. Are are the are some of the like board wipey cards effective? Yes, the problem is. It's not uncommon for Merfolk to main deck stuff like Spell Pierce, and it's very common for them to have drawn their four of um, Curse Catcher. And the problem with those cards is, you know, if they you can't cast your three mana board wipe on turn three because they'll counter it. You have to cast it on turn four, and you know, you can't cast your four mana board wipe until turn six or something like that. And it just buys them time, as I said, which is super. Like, like, that's all they really need to get their critical mass and swing for lethal, really. So, cool. Yeah. Like, b bring in board wipes against them if you have them, but don't rely on them, and realize that you will have to play into a position to make them good against them. So, yeah. Alright. Yeah. Sounds good. So, relatively, right. you know kind of wide-angle look at the decks in Modern. Each of these does have a lot more nuance to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. we're just touching on them. Yeah, we only have so much time that we can apply into a podcast without dedicating an entire episode just to one deck. Oh, we could just sit and talk about Burn all day, but... We almost did. Almost did. <laughs> so, do you have um, uh, anything else before we close up shop here, John? I have a super weird question, kind of. Have I asked okay. you this question before? I don't know. You haven't asked me it yet. At what point are you considered to be flooding? Like what? It, like what is the number of lands to be? To... Yeah. I mean, it, it super depends, man. Like, because if you know, if I'm playing like burn and I draw like a fourth land, I'm flooding. Mm -hmm. But if I'm playing like unexpected results. Like, if I had a hand that was six lands, and in unexpected results, I'd probably keep it. I've been always, like, trying to, like, I've been trying to, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, you know, where, like, someone will be like, oh, man, I was flooding like crazy. And then, like, their opponent's like, I drew just as many lands as you did. But they're still playing, you know, different styles of decks, as it were. It's really like, you know, well, yeah, the the mono red deck drew seven lands, and it's really bad for them. But the mid-range yeah. deck drew seven lands is good for them. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of like something, I, you know, as has been brought up multiple times, one of my biggest, you know, salt initiators I have happens to be, you know, the variant side of magic in regards to mana flu or mana, mana flood or mana screw. And so I was just kind of thinking about that, like, well, at what point are you flooding? Because everyone knows at what point you're mana screwed, right? Here, here's, here's the point when you're mana flooded, when it tilts you. <laughs> 
I don't know if that's necessarily true. Because, like, I've been to a point in a, in a game where this is, like, turn 20, and suddenly I'm only drawing lands, right? And I'm mm-hmm. not really tilted, because, at like, I'm actually taking it relatively okay, because I've, I've gotten to play Magic to get to that point, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm still fully aware of the fact that I'm losing because I've just drawn five lands in a row. Yeah. So. Just... I don't know. The, the world may never know, John. Yeah, maybe. These important questions go unanswered. <laughs> All right. So, if you want to send us feedback, you can shoot us an email at thelocalmeta at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to catch us on Twitter, we are at thelocalmetapc. And you didn't have any last words there, did you, John? No, that's that's it for me. No random things about bridles and worms. All right, sounds good. Uh, I guess that we will catch you next time. See ya. <laughs>